I get just a smidge more of my mic too on this uh, up here? I want to talk to you tonight about the authority of the believer. Oh, that's good. Hey, listen, I, if I, listen, here's the deal. Guys, if, here, here's the deal. I'm going to apologize up front. If I get a little excited, I tend to shout. So I'm not mad. I'm just, I get excited about the things of God. Like legitimately I do. See, here's the deal. When I was, um, when I was like 14 years old, I was on drugs, like um, staying out all night, partying, being wild, breaking into cars, breaking into houses. I apologize if I broke into your house. Um, I swear I didn't know what I was doing. I was like really high on a lot of drugs for like a really like, you know, uh, it was a short amount of time, but I took a lot. So let's just put it that way. So, so I apologize if I stole your car. Um, oh God. But anyways, 14, 15 years old in a little town called Marysville, Washington. How many have been to Marysville, Washington? Some of you know it gets a little wild in Marysville. Listen, I was the one, I was one of them wild boys. And, uh, and I, I had a radical, uh, life-changing encounter with the manifest presence of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in a church called Marysville First Assembly uh, of God in, uh, in, in, there in Washington, in, or in Marysville. And my life was radically changed, like completely radically changed. The trajectory of my life completely turned. And at, and at that age of 14, 15, I said, God, if you can use my life, I'll give you the entire thing. Like, use me for anything and I will serve you for the rest of my life. Little did I know that that was an incredibly dangerous prayer. And, and uh, unfortunately, I backslid for a couple years, but there was a seed of God in my heart. And by the age of 18, I got out of high school and the Holy Spirit began to work on my heart and he began to, he began to draw me back to him. And when I gave my life back to the Lord, it was 1997 on a Thursday night. Oh, I can still see the time and the place. And my brother was there and they were singing this old song. Do you remember that song? Jesus, friend forever. Do you remember that one? Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. I was in the right key. He changed the key on me. Sorry. Friend forever. Down to the one. There it is. Hey. Don't you just love Vincent? Hey. And from that moment on, the Holy Spirit got a hold of my life. And I tell you what, it was like fast forward. I moved to the city of Las Vegas and God began to just send me around the world. I was able to go around the world. I lived in India for six months in the end of 2002 into the beginning of 2003. I had the privilege to travel all over Asia, all over Europe and, and share the gospel, share music and see the kingdom of God advance in, in churches all around the world. And uh, I believe the Lord is gonna uh, move on us tonight. Uh, as I was preparing tonight, I saw the angel of the Lord extend uh, wings over this, uh, uh, over this room tonight. I feel like the healing power of God is gonna hit the place here tonight. There's gonna be signs, miracles, and wonders. I don't say this stuff lightly. I mean, I've seen all kinds of wild stuff, guys. I've seen people just get healed right in the middle of messages, just pain leave their bodies just like that, and then jump up and just be totally healed. So even tonight, if you've come with pain in your body, just watch as the word is preached and 
as I share, just watch the pain begin to leave your body. Watch as back pain is healed. Someone's back is gonna get straight tonight. Yeah, migraines are gonna get healed tonight. You're watching by way of internet. You've got a uh, uh, rotator cuff um, uh, injury. The Lord's gonna heal you tonight. So all kinds of good stuff's gonna happen. Okay, so tonight I wanna talk to you about the authority of the believer. So here's the deal. I started writing this down. I don't normally write notes, you know what I mean? Like, uh, like Pastor Russell does. So I'm gonna channel my inner Pastor Russell tonight. And here's the deal, guys. Just, you know, you know, gas me up like it's the best thing you've ever heard. Cause, cause then, cause then, cause then, no, 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 not yet, not yet. Cause then they'll put it on the internet and then Russell will be like, oh, Lighty's the best, you know? And I'll get to do it again. I'm just kidding. Okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thought you'll ever have. What you think about when you think about God is the most important thought you'll ever have. The second most important thought is what you think about yourself. Amen. Now, if you're taking notes, I'm going to throw a bunch of scripture at you, so hang on. Here we go. The new creation program that Jesus inaugurated at his resurrection was a fundamental and axiological reimagining of what it means to be human on the earth. The path was cleared, the door was open. Through the torn veil of his flesh, he made a way into the Holy of Holies, not just the visible one in Jerusalem, but the heavenly one, according to Hebrews 10, verse 19. You can write that down. The chasm was crossed. The eternal life was rewarded to those who believe. John 3, 36. You can write that down. Sin and brokenness of the first Adam was dealt with. And the last Adam revealed his father fully, restoring the torn relationship and lifting the human soul back into its original heights. For 4,000 years, humanity was governed by death. For all who were in Adam were under his sin, left to grope in the darkness with a marred vision of the Father. See Romans 5, verse 12. But now Christ, by the spirit of holiness, was proved to be the Son of God by the resurrection from the dead. That's Romans 1. And that all who believe in him are freed from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent his son in the likeness of death, became sin for us. That's Romans 8, verse 3 and 4. This new creation has freed us from being sin conscious. That's Hebrews 9. And has given us the right to be called the children of God. John 1, verse 12. As the Apostle Paul said, if you then are children of God, be imitators of God, of Christ. Ephesians 5.1. Are you writing these down? Y'all going to write these down because y'all need to read this scripture. This is all good stuff. But what does it mean to be an imitator if not to do the things that he did? But how can we do the things that he did? I mean, he's the son of God. Here's the thing. Follow me here now. Jesus did his ministry on earth, not through his divinity, but through his humanity. And I'm going to prove it to you. He was baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. For the scripture says that he came back from the temptation of the wilderness under the power of the Holy Spirit. Luke 4, 14. Paul wrote to the Philippians and said that Christ laid down his godness. He said he didn't consider his godness something to be grasped, but he laid it down and became, uh, he took on the form of a servant. 
even to the point of death. That's why God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Y'all heard that one before? That's Philippians 2, verse six through 11. Even in the wilderness temptation, he rebutted the enemy with this rebuke. Now catch this. Man does not live by bread alone, Matthew 4, 4. This is very interesting to me. The devil comes to tempt Jesus and he doesn't say, the son of God, the most omnipotent one, doesn't live by bread alone. No, he says man does not live by bread alone. What was he doing? He was connected to his humanity. You say, well, aren't you, aren't, you, aren't you bringing down the glory of Christ? No, I think Christ came down so that humanity be, could, could be lifted up. You see, the same distance from which he came down is the same distance that I was raised up. For the Bible says that you have been raised with him through baptism. So when he died, I died. When he was raised, I was raised. When he ascended, okay. I'm talking about new grace. I'm talking about the authority of the believer tonight. Oh, we're getting into this. And this is, this is the great mystery of the incarnation, that the God of all glory would take on human flesh and subdue all principalities and powers under himself. 1 Timothy 3.16 and Colossians 2.10. I hope you're writing these down. So you see, you get it on replay. Yeah, there you go. You see, he had to take on dust to be Lord of dust. He had to take on earth to be the Lord of the earth. This is why Satan could never be Lord of the earth because he's got no flesh. That's why he's called the prince of the power of the air. He lived in a spiritual invisible realm where he operates illegally. This is why, this is why the enemy works to get your agreement because he's got no flesh to act out on his desire. For what does Paul say? Paul says that the Spirit of God lusts after the, the flesh and the flesh lusts after the Spirit. Why? Because, and, oh, remember uh, uh, Jesus, and he's there, and he's, uh, he's, he's, he's casting out the de devils out of that man. And he says, the, 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 de the demons scream, and they say, let us stay in the region. And he goes, get out of here. And they go into the pigs, and what happens? All the pigs go and run off the edge and die. Why? Because that principality in power was looking for some flesh to get agreement. This is how discipleship works. This is why you get the thoughts that you get sometimes. Not every thought is yours. I teach my boys this. I say, guys, just because you have a thought doesn't mean it comes from you. It's not necessarily your thought. And how many friends do we have that live in the region and all of a sudden they quit, they quit pushing after the things of God. They quit, they quit uh, going after the presence of God and all of a sudden it's not but a short matter of time then all of a sudden they go to the wayside. Why? Because the spirit of uh, the spirits of witchcraft in this region are good at discipling. This new creation program, okay, sorry, let me bring it down. Ooh. The new creation program gives the believer power and authority back in both the visible and the invisible realm. Look at Jesus on the boat. Mark chapter four, verse 39. And we're gonna get into some scripture tonight. He rebuked the wind 
and he spoke to the waves. He rebuked the invisible and he spoke to the visible. We have been given authority in both the visible and the invisible realm. Our authority extends beyond what is just seen. For Paul writes to the believers in Corinth and says, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 18. So how does this authority work? It works through agreement. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it shall be done by my Father in heaven. Now listen, power is the ability to do something. Authority is the right to do something. The policeman's firearm is his power, but his badge is his authority. You follow me? If I give my debit card to my son River, which I do often, I am giving him power and permission to perform what I've asked him to do. You see, the church is still waiting on permission when God has already provided both the power and the permission to perform. Oh my goodness, ooh, that's good. Okay, here we go. Let's look, at, let's look at Matthew chapter 10. If you have your Bible, let's look at that. Matthew chapter 10. You know, this one always stumped me for a long time. You know, I might wanna say that again. The church is waiting on permission when God has already provided the power and the permission to perform. Matthew chapter 10. I've read this so many times and you know, you read stuff and then all of a sudden, you, like something will spark, you know what I mean? I always stumped by this one. Matthew chapter 10, verse one, it says, and when he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out, to heal all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease. And then it goes on and says, now their names were blah, 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 all these names. And I always thought, I read the rest of the chapter, I go, how did he give him his power? Because it says he gave him his power to go cast out devils, to preach and heal the sick. These Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go the way of the Gentiles, but enter in the city of Samaria. And he goes on this long thing and teaches them and all this stuff. I thought he didn't give him a mantle like Elijah gave Elisha. He didn't give him a staff like Moses had. But then all of a sudden, it was so simple. And when I found it, it was like, I saw it everywhere. And this is how he gave them his authority. He said to them, I looked through the, the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And I looked at every miracle Jesus ever did, because I was curious. See, did you know that, uh, this is a little side note here. Did you know that the Hebrew word for wisdom is actually made up of two words? And it means, um, it means the power to ask why. There's a curiosity involved in wisdom. There's a curiosity that you've got to have in your heart when you're approaching the things of God. There's a curiosity that you've got to develop in your heart where you don't just read the scripture, but you ask the question why. And I see it, Jesus, and he goes, he sent them out and they did all these great things and I wanna know, well, how? 
It's the same way he did every miracle in the Synoptic Gospels. Everywhere in the Synoptic Gospels that Jesus did a miracle, it was connected to this idea and this one thing as he spoke the word to them. He said to them, he released the word to them. He said, get up. And I've seen this in my own life. It's so interesting, you know. I was, uh, I was leading worship at this big event one time. It was a crazy, I don't know what I was doing there. It was a black church women's conference, uh, like with like 15 or 20 black women's churches, well, black churches from the inner city. And there was all the women's ministries and they got together for their, year, their yearly conference and they opened a Friday night. This is in Vegas. And they opened a Friday night and they're like, it's all worship the first night. So how many of you ever been to a black women's conference before? They're awesome. Listen, it's awesome. Anyways, these gals go hard. Anyways, so it was across town. So I didn't, uh, I didn't really plan a whole lot because the guy was like, listen, you got 12 minutes, you know? And I'm like, okay, 12 minutes for us. That's like one song, you know? And so I, uh, I put together just kind of a ragtag team from across town and uh, we go and lead worship there. And I sing, Let God Arise. Remember that song? Let God Arise, I wrote that song. So anyways, uh, so we get done with the song and all of a sudden like, it's vibing. Like these gals are vibing, you know, and there's like three or 4,000 of them and they're like, yeah, let God arise, you know? And so I'm ready to be done. And I look down at the guy who put the thing on and he goes like this, he goes, keep going, keep going. And I'm like, bro, I don't have any more songs. Like this is not my band. Like, I don't know, who, you know what I mean? I go, well, what am I gonna do? So I'm out there, I go, I'm just gonna prophesy. So I'm just gonna kick it into high gear. I go, keep going to the band. And I just start going for it. Go, ah, the kingdom of God is coming in Las Vegas. And I'm prophesying. And all of a sudden, out of my mouth just pops out. And someone's back's being healed. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. La, 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 la. You know, and we keep playing. And uh, we get done. And I go and sit down. Well, I start to leave that night. The thing ends. And I'm walking out. No kidding. This lady walks up to me and she goes, oh my God, you're never going to believe this. She goes, my lawyer's going to kill me. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, I was in a car accident and I was in a lawsuit and uh, because my back was messed up. And she goes, and the moment you said someone's back's being healed, I got completely healed. And I was like, I said, I said, what? She's like, what am I gonna do? I said, I don't know. Like, what am I supposed to tell you? Sorry, I don't know. Talk to your lawyer. I don't know. I don't know what to do. So the next morning, the next morning, no kidding. Next morning, I'm in church on Sunday. This was the next day, Sunday morning. I'm leading worship, you know, and we're up there and we're going for it, you know. And this was in Las Vegas years ago. And, and I'm singing and all of a sudden it just pops out of me. And we're right in the middle of the song. And it's like, and someone's legs being healed. Be healed right now in Jesus' name. And I just shouted it out. And and then kept singing, you know, and I was kind of like, whoa, where did that come from? Sorry, you know, like, sorry guys. We're ruining the meeting here. And legit, we got done with this, we got done with worship and this gal comes up and she goes, the moment you said someone's leg is being healed. And I went, wait a minute. The gal just told me that last night. The moment it was released, the moment the word came out, immediately it was finished. I thought, I wonder if, and again, don't make a, I'm not, I don't know about, you know, the theological implications of this statement, but I wonder if authority has something to do with the time distance between when I say it and when it's accomplished. 
When he said it, he released authority to them. They had to come into agreement with what was spoken. Hidden within Jesus' words were the power and the authority to perform all that was spoken. Because you see, friends, words are vessels. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. You see, in, in Genesis 1, it says, and God breathed into man and he became a, your translation says a living soul. The, the rabbinical translation says that man became a speaking spirit. Through the words he released, he released his spirit. And as a new creation participant, that's us, the words you release, release spirit. Because you are one spirit with the Lord. 1 Corinthians six seventeen, He can use your words to release what he called spirit and life. I like what Bill Johnson says. He was teaching on the uh, word of knowledge and he says, when I hear what heaven's doing and I release the word, the angels in the room can recognize the fragrance of the Father on the word and they move to perform that which was spoken. Reinhard Bonnke, the great German evangelist, he put it this way. He said, God's word in my mouth is just as powerful as God's word in his own mouth. Look at the centurion whose daughter needed healing, Luke 7. He says, you don't even, Jesus, you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word only and she will be healed. Because I'm a man, what? Under authority. I understand authority. When a man, when, oh my God. When someone is under authority, they understand that when I say it, it's done. Come on, you, you. Well, parents, it's not the same because, you know, we working with our kids. Let's be honest. Here's the thing. I've been working with my boys. I said, clean up your room. They say, okay. And I said, did you hear me? And they go, yeah, I heard you. I said, no, you didn't hear me because you're not cleaning your room. Let's be honest. But when a man under authority speaks, something happens. Something changes. And Jesus was marveled. He marveled and he said, I've never seen faith like this. Not even in Israel. He said, this is some great faith. Someone that would understand this distance of authority that when I speak it, it's accomplished. Oh, come on now. Look at this. Yeah, there you go. When you come into agreement with his words, you get the benefit of what he said. I say it again. When you come into agreement with his words, you get the benefit of what he said. You got to close the loop. Here's the deal. It's like this lamp here. It's plugged into power. This thing is, this is one of them old school bulbs that got the wires in it. There's no power running to this bulb right now because the loop is open. I learned this from my dad, he's an electrician. You gotta close the loop. When you close the loop, all of a sudden the power begin to flow. First of all, you gotta be plugged in. You gotta be plugged in. And then, yeah, that's a word right there. You gotta find a local church, a local body to plug into. You gotta find relationships and people in your life. And you gotta plug into the word of God. Here's the deal, you're not gonna make, man does not live by bread alone, but by what? Every that proceeds from the, of God. My God. Turn on the switch and close the loop. For with the measure of hearing you use, it will be measured back to you, Mark chapter four. Look at this. This is another one. I used to stumble over this scripture all the time. You got scriptures you read and you go, I don't know what that means. And so you skip them. Am I the only one? I, I read stuff all the time. I go, I have no idea what that means. Jesus said, 
take heed how you hear. For with the measure of hearing you use, it will be measured back to you. Take heed how you hear, for with the measure of hearing you use, it will be measured back to you. And for years I read that and I just skipped it. I, I don't, you know what I mean? So one day I'm in my kitchen and I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks to me. And he says, uh, you want to know what Mark 4 means? And I go, yeah. And he goes, the measure of hearing you use, it will be measured back to you. And I had looked up that word here because I wanted to know, and this launched my journey because of this, uh, this curiosity, my journey into the original languages. And if you don't have a Bible that allows you to read the scripture in an, in an, with a breakdown of original language, you need to. For us to continue to grow in our development with Christ, we've got to understand what the heck we're reading. Let's be honest. So this word here, Jesus used in Mark chapter four, it means to, it means to perceive with the ear in such a way that you would perform that which was spoken. It's the same thing I challenged my boys with. I said, did you hear me? They go, yes, we heard you. I said, no, you didn't because you're not cleaning your room. For with the measure of hearing you use, it will be measured back to you. And here's what the Lord spoke to me. He said, the it is the ability to perform that which you heard. The amount of hearing you use, the amount of listening that with the intent to perform it, this amount of hearing, this amount of performance. You're tracking with me. Look at, okay, okay, let me break it down. Uh, look at Peter. Look at Peter on the boat and uh, Jesus will come walking on the water. Right? You remember this story? J Jesus come walking by, the, the guys are on the boat and they're, they're rowing. Remember? Y'all remember? Yeah. And, and Peter says, hey, Jesus, if that's you, let me come with you. Let me come, let me come to you. And he says, what does he say? He says, come. So what's Peter do? He steps out of the boat and starts walking on the water. Wrong. He started walking on the word. C-O-M-E. Why? Because with the amount of hearing you use, it will be measured back to you. It concerns me when I meet people who have claimed to claim that God had told them something and they don't do anything about it. Years ago, I met a group of believers in, in Salt Lake City and uh, no blast on them if they're watching. I love you guys. Um, but I went year after year to this conference and every year they tell me the same thing. They were very excited about um, the fact that Chuck Pierce, the prophet Chuck Pierce, had come to the state of Utah and had prophesied over the state of Utah and said, Utah will be the worship state. And so all these people would come up to me all the time and they'd go, when I'd go there to visit or minister and they'd say, you know, Utah's the worship state, right? And I'd go, okay, what are you doing about it? And they'd look at me like, what do you mean? And I said, well, what are you doing about it? Well, the, the prophet said, we're to, we're to worship state. I go, yeah, what are you doing about it? They didn't do anything about it. So you know what I did? I went and did something about it. 
and I rallied 40 churches in six different states in the city of Las Vegas for 50 hours of nonstop worship because I heard what the prophet said and I applied hearing to it. Okay. Point number two. I didn't even know he was on one. My bad. Point number two. Our authority is linked to our place of permission. Your permission comes from your position. As much as I'd like to walk into the White House and put my feet up on the Oval Office desk, I don't have permission to do that. Now, if I were Hunter Biden, I could. And maybe do some, you know, cocaine while I'm at it. Or whatever, you know, whatever. Probably wasn't his. But see, I don't have permission to walk into the White House, but I do have permission to walk into this house. I have permission to open any of these doors in here. Why? Because of my position. Psalm 115, verse 16. It's a very short verse, but it's a very key into what we're talking about tonight. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, the highest heavens belong to the Lord but the earth he has given to the sons of men. See, my fear is that, not fear, my concern is that in the West, I mean, I've been at this 25 years or so now, following the Lord, serving in the church, leading worship, doing all this stuff. My concern is that, what I've seen is that there seems to be this, there were these kind of waves of, um, uh, doctrine, winds of doctrine that kind of came around. Paul said, be careful of every, don't, don't be moved by every wind of doctrine. You know, the stuff that we saw in 2020, 2021, 22 and 23, all the winds of doctrine that we're seeing again. You know that the scripture says that when, uh, when a devil is cast out, Jesus said it goes to and fro, looking for a place to land, looking for a house that's cleaned. It's the same old spirit. It's just a different manifestation. You know that communist spirit that fell in the 80s, 90s when the Berlin Wall came down? Those, that, that, that kingdom was displaced. You know the kingdom of heaven is taking up space. You know that Jesus said that? He said the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He'd been around preaching, declaring the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In the Greek it means it's taking up space. It's actually the kingdom of heaven is actually taking up space in the earth. It's pushing out the darkness. And so these, these spirits of wickedness, this, this doctrine, this theology starts flying around the earth looking for a place to land again and it finds connection, finds someone to come into agreement with it. But I don't know why I was saying all that. What was I saying all that? The highest heavens below. Oh yeah, the, the doctrine. So there's these, the two sides of this coin of going like, hey, there's nothing you can do, brother, to add to your or take away from your salvation. And then there's this other side that's like, hey, brother, we're under grace, you know, and uh, we're just gonna, you know, we can do whatever we want because there's grace. And I feel like this, it, there's this error because any, any theology that removes personal responsibility is not, I don't, I, I can't buy into it. Look through the scripture and look through the parables and you see personal responsibility. For the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. 
And I tell you what, the city of Las Vegas began to change when I lived there because as a team, we began to pray this way. God, we are fathers in this city and the direction of this city is on us. I said, I'm taking responsibility for the direction of Las Vegas. It's not okay for these girls to get trafficked. It's not okay for this homelessness. It's not okay for this drug addiction anymore. I've got to do something about it. For the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to the sons of men. This is our town. This is our town. Look at the parable of the talents. I, I alluded to it. Matthew 25, verse 14, and a couple verses after that. The expectation, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. A rich man, he gave to his servants a, a set of money, and to one and to, uh, and to another and to a third. And he says, and he went on a long journey. And when he came back, the first one said, hey, listen, look what I did. I multiplied it. The second one said, hey, okay, look what I did. I multiplied it. The third one said, listen, I knew you were this, that, you were this kind of man. He began to slight his character. He says, I was afraid and I hid what you gave me. What can we learn from this? That there's an expectation that there's a, the expectation of heaven is that we increase what we've been given. been on this journey of assignment and permission. There's different seasons of life when you walk with the Lord. One of the seasons is assignment, and he says, step here, and I go, okay. And he goes, step here, and I go, okay. And then sometimes, like, like the book of Psalms says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. That's assignment. And a light unto my path. That's permission. And for a number of years, I, I, I prayed this prayer. I said, God, what do you want me to do next? I knew there was a shift coming. I knew transition was happening. This was 2015, 16. I was in leadership. I was senior associate at my church, big church. I could, you know, I thought I was going to stay there the rest of my life, but I felt this thing. I felt like Abraham, like my wife and I, we just were like, we, we know, we, we know we can't stay here, but we don't know where we're going. And I prayed this prayer. I said, God, what do you want me to do? Nothing. Silence. God, what do you want me to do? For year, for like years, I prayed this prayer. And one day I prayed, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he whispered to my heart and he said, you know, I'm with you, right? I said, what do you mean? And he goes, what do you want to do? I said, no, no, no. What do you want to do, God? I just want your will to be done. And he goes, yeah, no, 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 I get that. But what do you want to do? No, no, no. I just want, oh, it's all for your glory. Just let your will be done. Not my will, but yours be done. I must decrease so that he may increase. He goes, yeah, 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 I get that. He goes, I've got your heart. What do you want? See, if I, have to, if I have to tell my children what clothes to put on every day, that works when they're small. But when my boys are 12 and 14 like they are now, if I have to still tell them to get dressed, that's a problem. Why? Because I want to see what's in their heart. 
There's a place of permission that I've been exploring with the Lord. Again, there's this exploration in wisdom, in, in wisdom, because the kingdom is bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. I'm saying, God, you've put favor on us. What, what should I do? And he goes, what do you want to do? How many cities do you want to impact? How many churches do you want to plant? What's in your heart? Galatians 4 says that we are sons of God. An heir is the same as a slave until it comes to maturity. We are the bride of Christ, 2 Corinthians 11, Ephesians 5. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places, Ephesians 2, 6. We are citizens of heaven, Philippians 3, 20. We are ambassadors. Oh, I love this word. 2 Corinthians 5, 20. What's an ambassador do? The ambassador is sent into a land to make that land look like the land he was sent from. He does not speak on his own accord, but he speaks on the authority of the one who sent him. We are called to make the world we live in look like the one we belong to. It's our mission and our mandate delivered to us by Jesus himself when he taught his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy desire be done. Sometimes you gotta take these little words and you gotta unhook them from the religious words. Thy will be done, thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What does that even mean? That the Father has a desire for us. The Father has a desire for this region. The Father has a desire for this church, for you and I. Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe and you receive them. The key to it is desire. What's in your heart tonight? See, the authority our authority is connected to our place of permission. Because we've been given permission, we have access to be able to operate and power to be able to perform. Appreciate the worship team coming up. We're going to land this plane right here in just a second. Take a minute. Just close your eyes all over this room just for a second. You could feel that when, the, when, I, when I was hitting that. All of a sudden, it was catching. It was just dropping. Some of you have been in that place of wondering and wandering. You're going, Lord, what is it that you have for me next? You know you can't stay where you are, but you don't know where you're going just like me. And I hear the father saying, son, daughter, what is it that you really want? I say, I want your will. Yeah, 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 no, I got that. What's in your heart? 
not what you think you should ask. Come on, I know the right, I know the right religious things to ask. I just want to decrease so you can increase, Lord. Yeah, 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 I get that. But what do you want? Come on, brush off the dust on the altar of your heart. Come on, all the disappointment. Come on, the heartache, the, the loss. If you could ask him for one thing, what would it be? tonight we thank you for your presence your touch among us thank you for your your love over us father so much more to your word so much more to what you're doing but lord as we pause right here tonight lord we want to offer you our hearts again we want to offer you the deep places god the unknowing the mystery all we know is that we need more of you God, sometimes we got, we got longings and groanings that we can't, even, we can't even express, we can't even articulate. For every wandering heart tonight, would you let them find peace? For every broken heart, let them find healing tonight. For those that are ready to rise up and run, with your mission, your mandate, God, would you set them in the right direction? God, would you light a fire in hearts tonight, God? As we walk with you, as we continue to walk with you. There's a work of healing the Lord is doing. Some of you have lost uh, important people in your life. There's a just for another second, just maybe 30 more seconds here. Spirit of the living God.
from your heart. Holy, not just your head. Flood this place. Come flood. with eye pain you got like some sort of degenerative eye issue you're being healed right now someone with like back shoulder pain come on move and see that the pain is gone come on those muscles are loosed up right now in Jesus name disappointment tonight. Some of you are disappointed about, maybe you're watching by way of internet, maybe you're here, you haven't been able to have children and it's been a conflict in your heart, conflict in your marriage. The Lord wants to heal that tonight. Specifically, I saw someone in here, you've got, uh, well, there might be others, but you've lost family members, very close family members, and now you're wondering about the future and how this is going to look. And you know, Christmas and all that without them, all of that. The Holy Spirit wants to wrap you up tonight, heal your heart. If you have pain in your body of any kind tonight, would you stand to your feet, please? Pain in your body or a disease or a, an issue in your body that you need a physical miracle for, would you stand to your feet tonight? We're going to we're going to release the, the kingdom of heaven over you. See the spirit of God heal your body tonight. And we're almost done. So I was in Salt Lake. I was in Utah again, Utah. And, um, there was a young man, he had one leg shorter than the other. And uh, I met him, strangely enough, in the bathroom. 
at this church I was at, and he said, I said, are you doing okay? And he said, well, I got one leg that's shorter than the other, and it's causing all kinds of pain. And my back is all crooked and all this stuff. And I said, well, I believe God can heal you. And so I said, is it cool if I pray for you? And he said, yes. And so I said, well, do you want your short leg to grow or your long leg to, sh to shrink? Because when we pray, something gonna happen. And he says, I want my short leg to grow. I said, okay. So I sat him down on the front row. I held his feet out. Sure enough, his leg was shorter than the other. And I prayed and commanded in Jesus' name, and his leg grew out. The reason I say that is because what I'm, I'm going to ask you to do is if you're seated next to someone that's standing, I want you to stand up, and I want you to ask them what they need tonight. If, you see, if you're seated next to someone who's standing, I want you to stand up, and I want you to ask them what they need tonight. Because when we declare it, it's going to happen. Oh, hold on. Don't pray yet. Oh, hold on, don't pray yet. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I, I just, I said to ask him. <laughs> you guys are all excited. Here's how we're gonna do this, okay? Look at me, look up at me just for a second. Just, just for a second. Look at me just for a second. The way I pray got changed when I stumbled into John chapter 11. John chapter 11 tells a story about Jesus and a dead man, his friend who died. And he goes to the place where he was and he says, this is the only recorded place I can find in the New Testament. There may be others, but I haven't found them yet. It's the only recorded place that I could find in the New Testament, in the gospels, where Jesus prays to his father out loud around, in front of the people around him. This is what he says. He goes, Father, thank you, you hear me. I know you always hear me. And I, he goes, I'm not praying like this because I need to know you hear me. I'm praying like this because I need the people around me to know that you hear me. See, Jesus never prayed. He didn't walk into situations and pray, Father, come in and fix this. Remember the disciples on the boat? They wake up Jesus, they say, we're gonna die. Don't you care we're going to die? That's how I usually pray. God, don't you care I'm going to die? Fix my problem. And he wakes up. He rebukes the wind and the waves. Peace hits this place. And he goes, you guys, what's wrong with your faith? And they're amazed. They're like, what in the world? It changed the way I pray. I'm not asking the Father to come in and fix the situation. Because as a man under authority, I'm commanding things to change. I'm commanding healing to come. I'm commanding bodies to be made whole. I'm commanding legs to grow, migraines to be healed, sciatic nerves to be healed, 
I command it. I don't ask God come into. I say, no, I'm using my authority. We've been talking about this all night. Tonight, we're going to use the authority that God has given us for the highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth he has given to the sons of men. And now because of his resurrection, we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places. We now have authority here on the natural, in the visible realm as well. So you've asked them what, you, what they want. Now begin to command it in the name of Jesus. And let's watch what God does. Come on, command healing now to come to bodies. Command healing now. I release the kingdom of God on you now in Jesus' name. I release healing into your body now in Jesus' name. Brain tumors shrivel up and die right now in Jesus' name. Cancer be healed now in Jesus' name. We curse cancer commanded to die now in Jesus' name. Come on, command the healing to come. Come on, use your words tonight as a man or a woman under authority. right now. Arches, come back to those feet now in Jesus' name. Come on, feet be healed now in Jesus' name. Backs be healed now in Jesus' name. Come on now, move your body. Do something you couldn't do. Come on, begin to move your body, move your shoulders, move your hips, move your back, your neck. Come on, open your eyes, see what God has done. See the pain is gone. Come on, if you're 80% or better, wave your hand at me. 80% or better, wave your hand at me. There, 80% or better, there. There, 80% or better, wave at me. There. something you need to touch and agree on tonight. Maybe you've got something in your heart or your life that you just need an extra 
additional faith. You need to, like I said, like Jesus said, touch and agree concerning anything. Our prayer team is here for you tonight. We are gonna spend the rest of this evening for uh, another little bit here in prayer, in worship. We're gonna seek the Lord together. We're gonna posture our hearts and align our hearts with his assignment under his authority. And so if that's you tonight, I wanna invite you, come to this altar tonight. But if not, God bless you. Thank you for coming. Guys, it, the, it, it's, it's just incredible what God is doing. Thank you so much for being a part of this tonight. Listen, we'll see you back here again next week. It's gonna be an incredible, incredible time. Let's spend the rest of this evening tonight seeking the Lord together. But if you gotta go, God bless you. Have a great week.